doing in our lives. And I appreciate your prayer as you have been praying for our praise team. And we've been going through these different transitions in our ministry. And God's bringing a lot more people into our ministry who's talented and plugging them in and, and doing worship leadership. And we're excited about what God is, is up to. Amen. Has, that, has it been a blessing? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Amen. I'll tell you today, that's nothing short of a miracle uh, from uh, where we started. We're just, just, just a few of us. Amen. God's a great God, and he has a great plan. Amen. If you're visiting with us today, it's our joy and our privilege to have you. And, uh, man, we, we have to pray and we have to believe God for the miracle at this church because we don't have the ability to do it in the flesh. And we need God's intervention. Amen. And uh, I'm excited about what he is up to. We have a great God who has a great plan. We've just finished up our sermon series a couple of weeks ago on the promises. We're getting ready next week to launch out into a new sermon series uh, dealing with soul chasing and fishing. Amen? That's a good sermon series. I believe anybody ought to want to come be part of it. Amen? And so we're going to launch that next week. Today we have an awesome service, though. We, we have several parents who are coming and they want to dedicate their they want to dedicate themselves to be godly parents and they're giving their children to the lord and so we're going to celebrate that today if you have your bible <coughs> if you have your bible if you'll turn with me to the old testament to the book of first samuel very interesting passage of scripture here i want us to look at first samuel if you turn in the bible first samuel <coughs> Turn there with me. We're going to read what God's Word says in chapter 3. First <clears throat> Samuel chapter 3. First Samuel. We're going to do First Samuel chapter 3. You got second there, my brother. Sorry about that. We hung you out to dry. Amen. All right. You got your little book there? Some of you got little books like mine. Some's got big books. You open that big book up. If you're fortunate, it's on page 236. If your book doesn't look like this, I can't help you on your page number. Anyway, here's where we are in uh, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions were not widespread. Sounds kind of familiar. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his room, but the lamp of God had not gone out. Samuel was lying down in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. Did you call me? He says, I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go and lie down again. So he went and lay down again. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli, and Eli said, I, Here I am, you called me. I did not call you, he replied. Go and lie down. Now Samuel had not experienced the Lord, because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the time of the Lord, for the, once again, the Lord called to Samuel. He got up and went to Eli said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood what was happening. 
the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel responded, speak, for your servant's listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do something to Israel that everyone who hears about it will shudder. On that day, on that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I told about his family from beginning to end. I told him that I am going to judge his family forever because of, his, because of the iniquity he knows about. Did you underline that in your Bible, the iniquity he knows about? Because this is the hard part. His sons are defiling the sanctuary, and he has not stopped them. Therefore, I have sworn to Eli's family. The iniquity of Eli's family will never be wiped out by either sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until the morning, and then he opened the doors of the Lord's house, and he was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him, called him and said, Samuel, my son, he said, here I am. What was the message the Lord gave you? Eli asked, don't you hide it from me. May God punish you and do so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and did not hide anything from him. And Eli responded, he is the Lord. He will do what is good. Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let nothing he said be proven false. All of Israel knew that Samuel was confirmed a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear in Shiloh, because there he revealed himself to Samuel, and by his word, and Samuel's words came to all of Israel. A very interesting passage of scripture, isn't it? And Samuel became the voice of, not only the voice of reason, but he became the voice of God. In the Old Testament, God used prophets. And I've taught you this before, there was a prophet and there was a priest. And Eli was a priest. And a priest would listen to man, and he would take the prayers of man and go to God on behalf of man. However, a prophet was the direct opposite. God would speak to the prophet like he did Samuel and say, you go give Eli a message and the prophet would go speak to man on behalf of God. Now, God had been dealing with Eli for quite some time. Eli had some sons, and they were knuckleheads, amen, in today's terminology. I mean, they were defiling the temple of God. They were sexually immoral. They were having sex inside the temple. They were doing all these things, and God kept telling Eli, would you go deal with them? Would you go deal with them? Would you go deal with them? You see, it wasn't that Eli did not know about it, but Eli refused to deal with it. Now, we could spend a lot of time talking about why Eli did not deal with them. But that's not the heart of the matter today. The heart of the matter is this, that, that, that Eli wouldn't deal with him. And God said, I'm going to deal with him. But how did he deal with him? Through Samuel. Now, Samuel's a young boy at this time. Just a young lad, not very big at all. Matter of fact, he had never even really clearly heard the voice of God before. And so in this passage of Scripture, Samuel realizes what's happening and all that's going on. And so he begins to move and, 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 he, and he hears God. And I'm going to tell you today, if you've ever heard God, how many of you has ever heard God and you didn't like what he said? Amen. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. I mean... God called me. He said, son, I want you to preach my word. Lord, not me. You want somebody else. I've got other plans. I've got bigger plans. I've got better plans. I've got Brad's plans. 
And so for a long time, I just began to rationalize that and wrestle with it. And I'm going to tell you, God's called me a lot of times to have to do something I didn't want to do. Beyond that, after submission of that, I wish that was the end. I wish that was the only time I came across something in God's word that I could, uh, could let go. But it's not how it is. God calls us to do things, and we have to walk in that obedience. I'll give you a good illustration. One time I had this 20-foot bass boat with 150 Yamaha. I love that dude. I mean, it would fly down Red River. And so me and my daddy decided to take it in Nantachie Lake one day and do some fishing. Well, you know, that's a pretty good-sized boat for that lake if you've ever been there. And we was easing along because if, if this lake is known for all of its stumps. And so we're easing along through all of these stumps, and we're navigating our way through them, and we get on a couple of stumps. But, I mean, come on, guys. I got 150 raw horses back there. I can get off of any stump. And so sure enough, we would just, and, and man, it was really cool. You know, it had one of those gas pedals in the boat. You didn't just have the stick. So, I mean, you could kind of hot rod around a little bit. You, you're picking up what I'm putting down. And so, man, we, were, we, were, we, we eased up there. And, and, and when we got there and I let off of the gas, the nose of the boat went down, like all of you know it does. But when it went down, the whole floor of the boat was covered with water. I said, good gracious, what in the world is going on here? Man, it was ankle deep. I told Pop, I said, man, we must have forgot to put the plug in this dude. So I said, we got to get this thing back to land before we sink it out here. So we turned around, navigated our way. Long story short, on one of those stumps I managed to be on top of, apparently had a metal rod that shoved a hole through the bottom of it and kind of just cut a little V down the bottom of it. Yeah, that's what I said. And so... uh so anyway, I, I was, it was okay. You know, I had insurance. was cool with that. I wasn't going to put insurance on that boat. But a couple weeks before that, I had tried to load it at, uh, at the Red River Landing. And the prop, it, the, the, the landing, you've got to trim it up, stupid. That's what that button's for. And it stripped the gears out, that little plastic bushing in the prop. And I realized that's all it was. I was like, oh, Lord, pray. I, I, I made up my decision. I'm getting insurance. So I called a guy and got insurance. Long story short, called him to take care of that. And you know what he said? He said, man, I never put that policy in place. No. I was like, oh, man. I said, but it's, he said, it's okay. Come by my office tomorrow. We'll take care of it. So I went by, and he had the forms filled out. He said, all you got to do is sign right here. Give me a check for $150. He said, but now when the adjuster comes, he says, be sure you tell him it happened on this date. And so I said, okay. So, uh, man, I, 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 uh, so I did all that over the phone. And I had to go to town the next day to sign the papers. And so, man, I was struggling with that. And so I said, Lord, you know, Lord, you know I tried to get insurance on that boat. <laughs> and, Lord, you know I'm honest. I I'm right. I said, but, Lord, why do I feel so good? I said, I'm going to see what God says in his word. So how many of you just picked up God's word and opened it up? So one day I just said, I'm going to open it up and see what he said. I opened it up, and guess what I opened it up to? Psalms 1.1, blessed is a man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I shut it. I said, okay, let's try this again. <laughs> All right, I'm not the only one who's ever done that. Opened it up again. It was a scripture that was worse than the first one. I shut it, and I called a guy up, and I said, could you ride the elephant with me tomorrow? I said, I need some accountability. So I picked him up in the morning. He said, what are we doing? I said, man, I'm struggling. So I told him the whole story. I said, I need you to ride with me to the insurance guy to make sure I don't chicken out before I get there. And sure enough, you know, went through that whole process and did what was right. 
But listen, there's times God calls us to do what's right, and it's not easy. And God called Eli to do what was right, and it wasn't easy, and he didn't deal with it. And God said, I've given you plenty of opportunity, now I'm going to deal with it. And so this young boy was presented with a great challenge. I mean, can you imagine just a child having to go look at your mentor and say, God said he's bringing your family down. That's a challenge, isn't it? But before there was ever a challenge, Samuel had to receive the call. God called Samuel. God called Samuel. You remember what it said in the beginning of that text? The Lord had not yet revealed himself to him. The Lord had not yet spoken to him. The Lord had not yet made it clear. But as he began to go in that journey, you know what happened was? God did speak to him and God did call him out. And God wants to do something awesome in each and every one of our lives. God wants to speak to every one of us. I love what it says in Hebrews 1 and 1. God, who in times past spoke to us, our forefathers, in various ways. He spoke to them through prophets. He spoke to them through signs. He spoke to them through reason. But in these last days, has chosen to speak to us through His Son, Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you not grateful for that today? Amen? Are you not grateful for the access that we have to be able to talk to God? Well, yeah, we're grateful that he tells us to do something we don't want to. Amen. And so God was speaking to him. We saw there was a call there. We saw there was a challenge. But I'm going to tell you, the challenge brought about strong circumstances. But you know what, Eli? <clears throat> Eli understood something. That God was God. And that Samuel had to be obedient. You ever told somebody, let me, let me teach you from what my mistakes. And that's probably what Eli was doing. I never understood in this whole story why Eli didn't just repent and go take care of business. Maybe because he had understood God to be a lot of gods like some of you think. A God of just judgment and no grace. Amen. Are y'all awake? I mean, I know people that just say, God's just a God of condemnation. He's just a God of judgment. All I know about God, he has a long list of things I can't do. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do that. And I can't do... Listen, that's not how God is. God has a long list of everything you can do. And he... You don't, it's not that you can't do it. When you're truly born again, you're not going to want to do it. <laughs> Adrian Rogers said... Of, true believer would rather eat dirt than sin and it's true when you realize you break the heart of your God the one who loved you died for you and all those things it totally rocks your world so we see here we're, we're kind of I threw you right in the middle of this story but the most peculiar thing about this passage of scripture is how in the world did Samuel find himself in this situation we'll turn back a couple of pages to chapter one <clears throat> here's what it says there was a man named Elkanah who had two wives one of them had many children I'm going to summarize this we're in chapter 1 and verse 1 and Hannah had no, no children and once a year they'd come up to the temple and they would worship now pick up in verse 3 They'd come and they'd worship. Now, verse 4. And he'd offer a sacrifice. And he always gave portions of meat to his wife, Paniah, and to each of her sons and daughters. 
But he would always give a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her, even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival would taunt her just to provoke her, because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Whenever she went to the Lord's house, her rival would taunt her in every, every year. I mean, have you ever felt like that? Your enemy would just taunt you, rub it in your face that you didn't have something, that you didn't have children, you didn't have whatever. And so she would taunt her, and here's what happened. Hannah wept and would not eat. <coughs> <coughs> Hannah, why are you crying, her husband said. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? And here's what he said. Am I not better to you than ten sons? Hannah got up after that and she ate and drank. And Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's tabernacle. <clears throat> Verse 10. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed in the Lord, to the Lord and wept with many tears. Verse 11. Making a vow. She pleaded, Lord of hosts. If you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me, and give your servant a son, I will give to him to the Lord all the days of his life, and I will not cut his hair. She's saying, I'll make him a Nazarite. And while she was praying in the Lord's presence, or in the Spirit, Eli watched her lips, and Hannah was speaking to herself, and although her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And scolded her. How long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had wine or a beer. Interesting that's in there, isn't it? <laughs> Let me move on. I've been, I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked man. As a wicked woman, I've been praying for, I've been praying from the depths of my anguish and resentment. Eli responded, go in peace and may the Lord God of Israel grant the petition you requested. May the Lord find favor with you. And so she left, went home, and guess what happened? She had a son and his name was Samuel. <clears throat> and when she weaned her son, she brought him to the temple of the God. And gave him to Eli and said, I'm fulfilling my commitment. I'm fulfilling my obligation. See, <clears throat> Hannah was a lady who was just broken because she didn't have children. She was broken. Matter of fact, she said, I'm broken. I have deep anguish and I even have resentment. And she was travailing travailing in prayer, weeping and mourning in prayer and saying, I need God's intervention. I need God to move. I need God to speak to my heart. I need a Holy Ghost power in my life. And she was praying and saying, God, I need you to intervene. There's some of you today that came in here, I believe, and you probably are in the same situation that Hannah is. It may not be over a child that you've never been able to have, but it may be over something else. It may be over a broken marriage. It may be over children who are way out there in left field and in broken relationships and in bondage. And today, you may be burdened down. Here's what I want you to know on the authority of the Word of God. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, and if you could come and lay down at the feet of Jesus and begin to say, Oh God, oh God, I need you to intervene. Oh 
God, I need your divine intervention. Lord, I come and I lay my brokenness at your feet. I lay my brokenness at your feet. I lay my burden at your feet. This was a lady who was bound by a burden. I'm here to tell you today that our God is a burden lifter. He is a burden lifter. Matter of fact, here's what his word says in Matthew. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you. It's gentle and meek and lowly at heart, and you can find rest for your soul. Come unto me. It's not a suggestion. It's a request. It's a commandment to come and lay your burdens down at my feet. My yoke is easy, and my burdens are light that's what hannah did she took her brokenness she took her burdens she laid them at the feet of jesus and she experienced the blessing now i'm gonna tell you samuel is a great man you may not be much of a bible reader but now if you want to read a good novel that's non-fiction just read first and second samuel together it's one of the best reads that you'll ever read and you'll read that Samuel was a great man of God. Samuel was a man who feared God, who loved God. Samuel was one of the last Old Testament prophets in the, in the, religion, the prophets that led Israel. And if you look at that, you can begin to see what God was doing and how God was speaking and how God was moving through Samuel's life. But where did it start? Well, I believe, like Jeremiah says, that God knew us in the womb. That these children that we're going to dedicate this morning, the rest of the children here today, and the children that are coming, listen, they may have caught mom and dad by surprise. Mom and dad may call them an uh-oh, a souvenir, and I didn't know it was going to be, or anything else, but God called them by purpose. Jeremiah says in the womb, before, I, before you were born, in your mother's womb, I sanctified you, I set you aside for an intended purpose. I ordained you as a prophet. God has a plan. God has a promise. I tell you something about Hannah. I believe that Samuel's victories, that he rode them, that, that Samuel's victories rode on the miracle and the prayers of his mother. As she prayed him, as she kept her commandment, as she took that boy and laid him at the feet of God and said, I give him to you. And today, as parents, if you're going to be dedicating your children to God, that's exactly what you're doing. You're saying, Lord, here's my child. Here's my child. I give him to you. God's going to call you to place your children in some hostile territory sometimes. Or he'll take them into some hostile territory. I mean, we've read the end of the book. I mean, now, now that we know the real story about Eli, do you think it was the best place to, to send Samuel? I mean, now that we see what a sorry job he did with his sons, do we really think it's that great a job for her to send him there? Not really. But God was there. God was going to protect him. And I know as parents, especially parents of girls, it's so hard you think, if I can just rule them with a rod of iron, if I can just put my thumb on them, I'll keep them in check. Can I tell you something? You've got to get them to Jesus because the Holy Spirit will go where you cannot go. He'll speak when you cannot speak. He'll move on them when because they're always in his company. He'll move on them when they're not in your presence. Giving them to God, saying, Lord, we need your holy, divine intervention. God wants to move. 
in your children's life in an awesome way. The most important thing you can do today, and maybe you've already given your children to the Lord. Maybe your children are, are well in age. Maybe they have children. The most important thing you can do is let your children live out the plan that God's called them for. And for you not to live your life through them. You know what I'm talking about. To let them chart their own course. To let them have their own successes. Let them have their own failures. I know you want to keep them from failing, parents. But sometimes failing is the best thing they'll ever learn from. And let them be who God's called them to be. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Because we have our own schedule. We have our own plans. We have our own dreams. But it's letting them God be who he's called them to be. In 1668, there was a young lady born named Susanna. She was born in England. <clears throat> Susanna was a, <clears throat> a young child. She was born at a very difficult time in the history of England. In 1662, England had passed a law. They called it the Five Mile Law. And uh, it was enforcing state religion on everybody. If more than five people gathered in a home, the law said <clears throat> that they had to have an official from the government be there to make sure they were teaching the, the religion of the, of the state. So if there was more than five people, they had to be there. And so Susanna grew up in this kind of environment. And, uh, man, you were persecuted beyond measure uh, if you were taught, teaching anything that wasn't of the church, of the state church. And Susanna grew up in these difficult times. So she grew up, as a matter of fact, she began teaching adults and children after she grew older, still living under this kind of, of, of government. And uh, uh, she would teach them in her home the word of God. And man, they were forever giving her a hard time. The neighbors knew what she was doing. And the neighbors were so scared of the government that the neighbors, they killed her cows. They burned her fields. Her neighbors did all of this to her, trying to get her to quit. Because the government would come in and do a whole lot worse to the whole village if they knew what was going on. But Susanna persevered on. And she had some children. And one of those young boys that she had, she named him John. And John began to be this great trailblazer. He, he grew up in persecuted times. But he grew up under the admonition of the Lord God Almighty, under the teaching of the scriptures. And Susanna realized that she had to give her children to God, that God would move in their life when she wasn't there to protect them. That God would move in the only way that God knew that God could move. <clears throat> you may know that France went through some of the same things in their history. Except it was very horrific. <clears throat> they say that probably one of the things that kept England from going through the same bloody battle that France went through was this young man named John Wesley. Who grew up under Susanna's teaching when the government said not to teach them that. And she took her little boy, John, and his brother, the Wesley brothers, and they began to preach and teach all across England 
and had revivals breaking out. That's right. I mean, those of you who look down your spiritual nose at Methodist, revival broke out through the Methodist founders. Amen. Come down off your holier-than-thou perches. I mean, there were some great things happening. And it swept through England, swept into the United States. You know how John and them did ministry? House to house. House to house, house to house, house to house. Why did they do it house to house? Well, it was biblical, and it was the only way they could. And God moved in a mighty way through those boys' lives because there was a mother who said, I'm not willing to give in. I'm going to do what God called me to do. One more story. There's a story of this pastor and, and uh, <clears throat> the Muslim area of the world and, and uh, Romania, that area. And he was persecuted and, and thrown in jail and was beaten every week trying to get him to renounce his faith. And he wouldn't renounce it for nothing in the world. He wanted him to renounce his faith and tell him where his secret churches were meeting. And so they came in there after just beating him week after week. He was almost beyond recognition because of all of his beatings that was taking place. And they told him, they said, here's what we're going to do. If you don't tell us where your groups are meeting and you don't renounce your faith, we're going to bring your son in here. And we're going to beat him in front of you until he's dead. And they said, we're going to come back tomorrow. Somehow, the, his son got word of that. And he went to the prison that next morning. And he said, Daddy, don't you give in. Daddy, don't you tell them where they are. Don't make me be embarrassed that you cave under pressure. Daddy, you don't worry about me. I'll be all right. How could that happen? It didn't happen overnight. It happened because probably when that boy was just an infant, just a child, they began to pour into them, began to ask God to move in that boy's life and move in a special way. Parents, that's what it's all about. It's about giving your children to the Lord, saying, God, I need you to move. I need you to move in their life. It's not about giving them everything the world has. It's about giving them what the world doesn't have. The most important thing is not what you leave to your children, but what you leave in your children. That's, they'll go through your inheritance pretty quick, believe me. We can, we can spend some money. So quit worrying about how much you're going to leave to them and worry about what you're going to leave in them. probably never have a prouder moment as a dad uh, this week boy, girls were playing softball they made some good plays I was happy I mean it's just cool to watch your girl throw somebody down from third base to first base when they're just children proud moment you, you know what I'm talking about but the proudest moment for me came this morning I was sitting over there my girls are out of town this week and one of them texted me and said, Hey, Daddy, I love you. I'm praying for you, and I hope you preach really good. That's good stuff. That's what matters. You've got to pour it into them. Pour it into them. 
pour it into them. Today, with your head bowed, we're going to move into the next part of our service. But before we do, there, there just may be some of you parents today. <clears throat> you just want to come to this altar and say, God, I, maybe you're struggling, guys. Maybe you're just struggling with being a parent. I mean, it is a struggle. It is hard. And maybe today you just want to come and say, God, I, I'm struggling, Lord. My children are getting big. They're going directions I don't want them to go. I need you to intervene. Maybe today you're a new parent. Your child is so little and you just want to come here today and say, Lord, I'm struggling. I'm struggling, Lord. I want you to, to come and just sit at his feet. Maybe you're here today and you're a parent. You've never given your heart to the Lord. Man, today, do that. Model it before him. Let God have his way in your life today. As you stand to your feet, our altars are open. We'll have some people here to pray with you. Maybe you're a child here and your parents are not believers and you just want God to move in their life. I mean, you, you know they need a miracle. Your parents need a miracle in their life. Maybe you're having to be that spiritual leader. Why don't you come to this altar and just begin to pray and ask God to move in their life. If you're one of our parents that are going to dedicate some children this morning, you can just slip out during this invitation, come down to this front, front row here. We're going to honor the Lord with what you're doing in your life. Won't you come today with your head bowed? Won't you come? Won't you come? Let God have his way in your life. Won't you come today? God have his way today. Speak to your heart.